Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Here we go. Well, hey, everybody, we're back. We're back for another episode of We Got Balls, the podcast and YouTube channel where we talk about anything and everything related to sexual arousal. And we've got a great topic on deck on deck today. Uh, my name is Chris. Did you say on deck or on dick? Because I, I corrected myself. So I said yeah. I'm on dick, but I've got to say <laughs> on deck. So let's try that again. Hey, guys, I'm Chris. <laughs> and I'm Scott. And as you can probably tell, we are both dudes. And, uh, you know, what is every man, every single man that I know of, obsessed with you got it penises penises that's it everybody's got a dick and everybody likes to talk about it and everybody likes to make it a thing so scott why is this such a big deal what's the cultural obsession what's the what's the embodied obsession with penises well according to the research chris and the the biggest piece of research that I saw was uh, something done by MSNBC and Elle magazine, although they got most of their responses from uh, MSNBC. And this was from 2006, but it's 50,000 heterosexual males and females. So it's a pretty big sample size um, when you're looking at research. And they wanted to know, you know, what do males think about their penis uh, relative to size? And what do females think about it? Because when you talk about penises, you're talking about size, right? It's, it's not just... Oh, no, no, never. No, it's not about size. It's not about shape. It's not about any, anything at all. It's just, you know, it's just out there, right? So tell me, tell me what it well, was that they were, that they found the size. I'm, I'm assuming there was a size discrepancy or something, right? Yeah, there's a, so when they asked uh, men, are you satisfied with the size of your penis? Um, only about 55% of men said that they were, which means that 45% of men are completely dissatisfied with their penis size. They want larger. And wow. uh, of course, for men, this has spawned an entire industry around penis enlargement. So you've got pills, you've got supplements, you've got penis pumps. You've got surgery now, and more and more surgeons are seeing guys with average-sized penises who are coming in and insisting on a very expensive and somewhat risky procedure to increase the size of their manhood. And the interesting part about this research is when you ask women, are you satisfied with the size of your partner or your spouse's penis, 85% of women are completely satisfied. So, so why is 55% of men and 85% of women? 85% of women are satisfied. Only 55% of men are satisfied. So okay. there's this huge wow. 45%, you know, big gap between what women actually enjoy and what men feel like they have to have to be a real man. And because men equate the size of their penis with both their power and their masculinity, it's a cultural view that, you know, the bigger the dick, the bigger the man. So there's really, it sounds like there's, there's really, you know, different views of what a penis means to men and women, obviously for, for a woman, 
I mean, there's, there's, they seem to be like, Hey, if it works, it works. I'm happy with it. You know, 85%, that's, that's, that's a really high number. And right. yet, yet half of the guys that are, that were being surveyed are saying, listen, I'm not happy with this. It's, it, it's almost like it's, it's more of a, of, of a confidence thing, right? It's definitely a confidence thing. I mean, just think about the language we even use around a penis. We call it a guy's manhood, right? Oh, yeah. So it's equated not just with his body image, but with the kind of man that he is, his masculinity. And, um, you know, it goes back to thinking about when we're born, there's a, there's a little boy that comes out. He's got a penis. They say, congratulations, it's a boy or it's a girl because she's got a vagina. And so we start off life with this um, idea that the side, you know, our genitals are what define us by gender and sexuality, of course, that makes sense biologically. But then the, the cultural overlay of that is that, well, the size is what's really important here. And you have to wonder, you know, since porn started to become widely available online in the later part of the nineties, how has pornography really affected men's views of, you know, the importance of penis size? Because there's an interesting cultural phenomenon that started to take place at the same time that online pornography was coming about. And that is that um, the ACLU started suing high schools to prohibit men from being forced to shower after sports practices or gym activities at the school because certain kids complained that they felt it was a humiliating experience to have to be naked in front of their peers. And so the ACLU stepped in and started suing schools and all schools started to shut down kind of communal uh, nudity in the locker room, which I don't know about you, but when I grew up, that was common practice starting in middle school. And it was th something that I remember being in sixth grade in, in Colorado and we were going to spend the week at a camp in the mountains, all the, sixth graders in our school and meet with other schools. And the guys were excited because we get a shower with other guys. It was, it was kind of a rite of passage to be yeah. in those group showers and to be seen there and to be, you know, start to feel like you're men as you're going into puberty. And that was all throughout my junior high and high school experience. I remember in my little high school in Iowa, they had two poles in the locker room showers and around the poles were shower heads. And you stood there, Face to face with five other guys, nobody's hiding anything, right? And you're seeing everything that everybody else has. And so you clearly see where you rank with other guys. And men are very status oriented. So we always want to know how much money's he got, what kind of car is he driving, how big's his bank account, what kind of penis does he have? <laughs> and and we grew up with that kind of thing, or guys my age, I'm I'm 60, so guys. Uh, prior to my son's age. But I remember when my sons started going to middle school and high school. So I've got a son that's 33 and I've got a son that's 26. They never showered with their friends at right. school. Yeah. They would go participate in football, come home stinking and shower because at the same time that the ACLU is shutting that down in schools and now schools are building uh, locker rooms without even having showers in them. So you get this cultural norm of how men kind of grow up and, and uh, experience community uh, nudity with other guys that gets shut down. And at the same time, you have pornography coming online 
And so the only nudity that men become exposed to with other men now is sexualized. So let's 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 split those two. Because I think it I think it's important to split those two and, and understand. I mean, a, a big piece of our discussion every time we get together is about the culture. And you know, culture is always changing, but there are markers that are that are really true. And you know, the MSNBC report is is a cultural marker. I would say that insecurity around penis size um, really only matters like you referred to when I don't know what other men's dicks look like. When I've not seen other guys say, hey, guess what? I'm average. I mean, the research shows that overwhelmingly the majority of penises are from four and a half inches to six and a half inches. I mean, like 80 to 85 percent. Of penises fall in that range. That's right. Yeah, and so that's right. So you know there there are the extremes, but the fear is when I'm not around other guys, isn't 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 the fear that something about is something about me? And and yes, it may be a masculinity thing, but I think it's a symbol of of what makes me enough. Is if I don't see other penises and go, hey, they're just like mine. They're maybe a little bigger, a little smaller, but they're pretty much the same. It's normalized. It's accepted. What is it about that experience that helps me be kind to myself and, and see myself as just a human being with a normal package? Yeah. Well, I think this goes way back to, you know, historically looking at things like um, uh, fertility cults, in the Middle East yeah. and how they set up giant erect penises as a totem of where you would come and worship the God. Like the God Baal has an erect penis yep. and the, the goddess Ashtoreth is all about big breasts and a vagina. And so sex was always part of the cultic worship. You, you have the Jewish nation that comes about and how is, how is the sign of the covenant put into their Culture by God saying, Hey, I need the tip of your foreskin there, yeah. if you don't mind. <laughs> and so, you know, the penis symbolizes this gigantic role yeah. without not to be so graphic, about it, but yeah. it plays a larger role in spirituality and culture than I think most people realize. And um, even, even into the fact of the worship of the gods, so to speak. And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense because that is the part of our body where we generate the next generation, wow. where we actually are productive in creating new human beings, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a really powerful symbol of masculinity and the power that we have as men in our bodies, you know, in the Christian view, to bring new image bearers yeah. into existence, yeah. but also to bring pleasure to our wives and to enjoy pleasure with our wives and to bond and to pair bond. And I, and I think so that, that piece right there, Scott, that, that piece about uh, being able to express not only desire, but also um, growth. I mean, ha ha tongue in cheek. Yeah. Penises are about growth. I mean, you know, some, <laughs> some people are showers and some people are growers. Right. And so that's, that's, that's part of this, deal is there is a there's an experience there is a feel i mean they didn't worship flaccid penises in the fertility cups cults right. they worshiped erect penises because there there is a sense of i want that 
that is part of what I want to experience in what it means to be a man. And part of the comparison is this idea of, you know, I have to be at least average or even if I'm above average, you know, there's that phrase in culture now, BDE, big dick energy, which is someone who presents as having a big penis. Nobody knows what that means. Nobody's measuring. There's no, there's, you know, I, I bet you money. There's never going to be a survey about big dick energy, never in the culture, because it's an idea. It's a concept. But I think what you hit on earlier is, which is so important, is that the, the fact that that porn and the eroticization of desire and sexuality and the objectification of people, that's where this this thing has really taken off because now my only place to compare my penis is in porn. That's right. So think about this culturally from a historical perspective. The word gymnos, which is where the word gymnasium comes from, yeah. was used in Greek culture and Roman culture because when you went to the gymnasium, you were nude. Yeah. So you would work out with other guys. They were in the nude. You would do all this sports activity and it was just seen as normal. This is how men bond. There were public baths, right? So you didn't have a hot and cold running water in your house. You went to the public bath and they were separated by sex. In fact, even in the early Christian faith, when baptisms were performed, they were segregated by male and female. The males were baptized in the nude. They would take off their clothes, symbolizing taking off the old life. They would go under the water naked and come up and put on a new robe, which was symbolizing taking on the new life in Christ. So all of this was kind of normalized and also ritualized um, communal nudity between both men in their environment and females in their environment. And it's been that way for thousands of years in human yeah. experience throughout throughout cultures. Yeah. Until so you now. get to the 19. In, right. So you get to the 1990s and um, in the United States and it starts to go away in the school system because of these lawsuits and the skittishness around body image and so on. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, then you have the emergence of high speed internet porn where all you're seeing is naked people's bodies, you know, in sexually aroused conditions. And to get into professional porn, you have to have a seven and a half inch erect penis at a minimum. Because that always stays hard. Are, that always yeah, that, stays erect. <laughs> that's hard during the entire five hour experience right yeah. and yeah. we all know these things are filmed in stages the guys are taking viagra there's people that are performing oral sex on them to keep them up during the the downtime so to speak yep. and it's completely staged and yet this is presented as what normal sexuality is so think about yes. this chris if the average young man's first exposure to sexuality is eight years of age looking at that kind of pornography, not his dad telling him about sexuality, not his dad normalizing, hey, that's your penis, buddy, and when it gets hard, that's called an erection, and see, I've got a man's body, see, because he's showering with his son. All of that goes away in the culture because there's so much stigma around that with the male body and nudity and males being, being together because now it's seen as homoerotic. Yeah. And the one or, thing men can't be or abusive. Man. Right. I mean, I think now it's seen if you shower, if you're naked with someone else, if you shower with your kids, that's seen as as, as abusive. And I, I want to be very clear. There can be circumstances where that can be abusive. But there but there is a normalization of, hey, 
we're human beings. We have the same parts. We're safe together. That, that really, ha- like you're saying, has been lost. Yeah. And you even find, uh, I don't know if you've, you've experienced this, but, you know, we both of us work with guys that are from a really conservative, maybe Christian background. And you'll have guys that grow up that never showered with their dad as right. little boys. I'm talking right. about it's probably pretty normal to shower with your dad at times when you're uh, growing up, up until maybe about eight years of age. And then kids start to get very sensitive about their bodies because they're entering into puberty. They become more aware of that. And then you kind of want to let them do their own thing. But up until that point, you know, it's normal for a dad to take the kids, come on, hop in here, shower him, so on and so forth. And in that in that normal interaction, the little boy's going to go, hey, why is your penis bigger than mine? And why do you have hair around yours? And I don't. And you can just have those normal organic conversations about, well, this is what a dad's body looks like. And you're going to have that and blah, blah, blah. And then that normally continued on through middle and high school in college where guys were just comfortable being around each other. Um, so now that gets shut down, pornography comes about, and all you see is that male nudity in a context of sexuality. So everything becomes sexualized. And yet guys are looking at other guys. And the thing, you know, culturally, Brene Brown says the biggest elicitor of shame in a man's life is being seen as weak. Mm. Or the cultural vernacular would be to be a pussy yeah. or to be gay. That's yeah. even worse. Yeah. And so what does it say yeah. if your exposure to porn as an eight-year-old boy is conditioning you to be aroused, not just by the female, but you're looking at a male having sex with the female. Yep. That's normalizing your sexuality around um erect male penises and surprisingly enough, boom, you start to get aroused by that because that's what you're watching over and over again as you learn to masturbate and that bonding effect that occurs with uh, orgasm and ejaculation. And that's where we find ourselves. Well, and I think it's, it's really important to say this, that when I'm a, when I'm a boy or even a teenager and I am watching porn with grown men. And ironically, if you'll pay attention, the majority of the men in porn are 30 or older. There are a few, especially in heterosexual porn. In gay porn, they're younger sometimes. But in heterosexual porn, these are guys who are, they're experienced, they're quote unquote studs. And you're comparing your penis with the penis of a grown man, fully grown, fully yeah. developed pumped full of drugs and stimulants that inherently, at least in me, for, would just be shameful. I cannot measure up. I cannot be the pleaser of a woman. I cannot be strong. I cannot have the confidence to be the person I want to be because I'm experiencing, and, and we'll talk about this over and over, it's far, it's far less for me in my struggle with porn in the past it was about the experience of that and the desire to want to measure up in that. And yet everything I was watching was affirming I could never measure up. There was no hope for me. That's exactly right. So let me read from this research because this was a really important paragraph. Popular media, especially TV and men's magazines, frequently emphasize the connection between penis size and masculinity. This is from some research done in 1993. So it's fairly old. 
But pornographic movies, magazines, and websites featuring men with very large penises also reinforce the cultural message associating large penis size and masculinity. Women's exaggerated sexual responses to overly endowed men in these pornographic images may also convince men that women have strong preferences for large penises. Most men are aware that the penises in these pornographic images are typically large, but persistent exposure to these images may cause men to overestimate the average penis size and underestimate the size of their own penis. So it's conditioning men to feel inadequate. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the earlier research. The earlier research says women don't care. That's right. They don't. And so this is all inside of me as a man dealing with my own stuff, trying to make sense of my own world. And, and, and frankly, the, the, the reality is my insecurity is, is pointing to something deeper. And there, there, there's a deeper story. I mean, what could that story be if a man is chronically struggling with insecurity about his penis or envying other people's penises or objectifying penises in his, uh, in his personal life, in his uh, sexual life? Well, what does it symbolize? What does a what does a penis, whether its size is bigger or small, symbolize? Right, it's this idea that yeah, am, am I enough as a man? But yeah. that, that's a fundamental yeah. struggle that every man deals with at some point in their life, or maybe it's an ongoing struggle for a lot of men. Is do I have what it takes? Do I qualify? Am I enough of a man? And um, you know, from a psychological perspective, it's probably not actual penis size that matters, but rather a man's perception of his size relative to other men's. Because who are you going to gauge that by? Mm. Even if you look at research on penis size, you're still yeah. going to be using other men to determine where you rank in the social yeah. order. And I think this goes back to the idea of Women tend to be very egalitarian in the way they relate to one another. It's all about coming together and raising the next generation. And they're very, you know, maternal. Men, on the other hand, bond over competition. Men bond differently than women do. Men bond with vasopressin. And vasopressin is released when there's a little bit of competition. There's a little bit of challenge. And men do things together to accomplish a goal or overcome a challenge, and then they high five, and that's that's what vasopressin bonding is. Yeah. So how does that equate to penis size? Because there's a competition between men to know where I rank in the social order. Am I an alpha male, or am I a beta male, or a gamma male? And my size of my penis is a critical component to that ranking. So. You know, that's why the, the joke is the guy that's driving the Ferrari has a really small dick because he's yeah. he's overcompensating. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think that 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 level of insecurity uh, is is really important to know that that penises are symbols. They're symbols for for things that we put meaning into. And so when we're talking about insecurity, that insecurity can come from a number of places. And there's 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 no cut and dry answer to any one person about where I started feeling less than or not enough or um, 
like I needed to measure up in my experiences and my story. And oftentimes, as you, you'll hear on this podcast, it comes from my childhood. And there's things in my life that are just very deeply resonant about who I am and what I believe about myself. So um, we want to leave that as an open question for you. And we'll be, do more exploration around topics like this. Uh, but, you know, we want you to know that this is this was what makes you a human being. If you're having doubts or fears around your penis or around a desire to, to, to consume other people and look at their penises, uh, there's something going on there that is true. Now, obviously, an obsession with this isn't going to help you in the long term. So we want to continue to be a support to you in that. So, Scott, uh, it's great to have this conversation with you. And uh, I know we'll have more coming up. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Yeah, Chris. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.